0: My message title is Rebels of Grace. Now, you might go, rebels? That's kind of a negative word. And, and the whole concept of rebelling or being a rebel is sometimes seen as a negative thing. But it's, it's just going against an established authority or an established way of living. And, you know, you read the gospel. I'm pretty sure that Jesus rebelled against what was the standard of things. And grace in itself is a rebellious notion so today I want to spend some time in the book of Joshua and a few other stories and explore how we can be rebels of grace. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to, to come together and to, to hear your word and to, to talk about things going on in our lives. And I just pray that your words would be spoken through my lips, Lord God, and that it would be you in this place that's ministering. In Jesus' name, amen. So when you look at the story of your life, Can you identify moments when God has miraculously acted and shown his grace? I can. And the thing with these moments is that we need to not forget them. These need to become the foundation for our faith. You know, throughout the book of Joshua, there are numerous occasions where God does something pretty miraculous for his people. You know, he he brings down the walls of Jericho simply because the army walked around it seven times, sometimes playing music, sometimes not. That's miraculous. There was a battle being fought that that God said to Joshua, you know, you will win this battle before the sun goes down. And the sun was going down and Joshua was like, well, God, you know, you said this would happen. So he makes the sun stand still in the sky. That's miraculous. And in today's story... He intervened in circumstances and performed a miracle that paralleled what he did for the Israelites during the Exodus. So ultimately today, what I want to explore is the nature of God's grace and how when we remember all he's done for us, we have the confidence to have faith through any situation. So please turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 3, verse 14. We're going to be reading to chapter 4, verse 9, or you can look at the screen because it'll be up there. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge... The water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, or the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. And this in itself would have thrown their enemies off guard. You know, Israel were being openly defiant and fearless as they passed by their enemies in the open. They trusted God and wouldn't let fear get in the way of what he had asked. So back to the story. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Seems an odd thing to just stop, right? But as it was when they stepped out onto the water and it cleared, so they stopped here. God had said to to have the ark remain in the middle of the Jordan until everybody had crossed. I feel like it's, it's a sign to show that the same power that parted the waters kept them parted as long as they needed to be. And also tested their faith to remain stationary and trust in God's grace and trust in his provision and trust in what he had said. And so when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. You know, God wanted to ensure that there was something left behind in order for future generations to ask about, but also to be told about God's glory and his grace to a sinful people. And so as the story finishes, it says, So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the ark of the covenant had stood and they are there to this day this is an amazing story church I want you to take a moment to think about your life and the story that comes from this where And how has God moved in your life? And how did you respond? You know, for me, the fact that I even ended up in his kingdom is a case of him being faithful to who he made me to be and me finally seeing that and hearing and listening to his voice. You see, church, understanding who God is And who we are in him is a huge part of surviving life. Those truths are our standing stones. And they stand resolute forever. We just need to stand on them. You know, we need to understand and stand on the truth of who he is and what his grace has brought us. Our freedom, our redemption, our second chance. And the fact is we cannot win Without a strong foundation. And ultimately, as born again sons and daughters of Jesus, we are rebels against the human way of thinking and living. We're rebels against the natural order of things. How? Well, grace is rebellious by nature. When we are in times of struggle, and pain the natural ways to push people away and to tackle it ourselves yeah we try to do it in our strength we turn to things like alcohol gambling shutting people off social media porn list goes on there's so many things that we can turn to in those times we take our feet off the foundation that they should be set on but his grace is sufficient church Why don't you say that with me? His grace is sufficient. sufficient. And let that sink in this morning. When we are weak, he is strong. His grace casts everything else aside. So we need to be rebels and rise in opposition of human and worldly convention and be rebels of grace. Allowing that to be the thing we stand on that shapes us, guides us, and reminds us of what he has done for us. You know, we talk about the love of Jesus and sharing that, and rightly so, because it is the love of God that sees us here in the first place. But we often don't take his grace into the world. And it's this grace that sets Christianity apart from any other religion it's this grace is so scandalous and so rebellious. It's against human nature and so counterculture. If we're gonna see the world changed for better, if we're gonna see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, it's grace that is gonna change this place. Amen? Yeah. So we need to have these reminders to how he has worked in our lives, for that gives us the strength to rely on on him we need to erect standing stones in our lives of the times where god has come through for us where he has moved in our lives and as this scripture in joshua highlights god is faithful and he is most certainly in the business of the miraculous do you believe that church you know i believe it a couple of months ago we had Rochelle, one of our young adults she came up and shared her story. And shared about a number of, of physical ailments that she's had to go through. And she'd, she'd shared about needing to go in for a liver transplant. And there were, there were different things that went on that didn't allow for the liver transplant to actually happen. And so it was a, stressful for, for some of us that know Rochelle, but Rochelle was just, just calm. And she's like, you know, God is going to heal me whether it's in this life or in the next so she shared with us a couple of weeks ago that she went back to have further testing on her liver and the, the doctor sort of came in and was a, was a bit concerned and he's like, the, the test results don't exactly match up. I think we've made a mistake. Long story short, there's now no issues with her liver whatsoever that has been completely healed. Yeah, round of applause. You know, God is in the business of doing this stuff. Doctors didn't think it could happen. Most people may doubt that this would happen, and the world likes to do that. But God is a miracle worker, and he's all about being in the business of the miraculous. And so who's who's familiar with the term Chinese whispers? You know, the story starts one way, and as it goes through people, It sort of changes and you finally get back to the person who started it and it sounds something completely different to what's been going on. And the world does this. You know, it's quite often that we hear things that distort the truth or they change our perception of what can happen. You know, in a situation like Rochelle's, it's easy to go, well, this sucks. This isn't going to happen. God, I don't know where God is in this. But God's like, hey, I'm, I'm right here. If you stand on my word, stand on my truth and stand on my promises, miracles can happen. And this is why we need to have a solid foundation and remember what he has done for us. And like Joshua had the 12 do in the midst of the Jordan and then after they walked through it, so we should honour what God has done for us and let that speak of his great faithfulness and his grace to his people. And it's not just a once-off that these things happen. Let's have a look at some key moments for some of the great heroes of the faith. In Genesis, we see Abraham try to force what God had promised him and failed. But when he was obedient and he rested in God, it came to pass. And it was from that place of grace and fulfilled promise that he was able to face other challenges. For Joseph... There was the vision God had given him, and then what happened? You know, if you don't know the story of Joseph, he God came to him in a vision and said, "You will rule over your brothers." And being a teenage boy, he's like, "Awesome! I'm going to go and tell all my older brothers that I'm going to be ruling over them at some time, some point in their life," and they put him down a well, and then they sold him off. Yeah, nice brothers, hey. Um, and it's an interesting one. So that happens and then he, he starts working for someone and this guy's wife comes on to Joseph. He rejects her. She cries that he's done some inappropriate things. He gets thrown in jail. And then, so if you were Joseph, you might be like, okay, this, well, I don't know what God's on about. I'm not going to believe that. And then he meets the king's cupbearer, somebody else in the, in the prison, and He shares a vision for them and interprets things that are going on. And it's two years later that they finally come and release him. And he's put into a really high position in Egypt. And ultimately, his brothers and his family in a time of famine come to him. And he is there ruling over them. And rather than condemning them for what they did to him, which would be quite natural, you know, he showed them grace Joseph was shown grace in that his life was spared. God showed him that grace. And so rather than condemning or holding a grudge, he showed his whole family grace. You know, for Daniel, it was being thrown in a lion's den. You know, the king made a decree that worshipping God was not allowed, but Daniel still worshipped his God publicly That's when he was thrown into the lion's den. But he was spared from harm. And as we know, Daniel survived and the king, who thought highly of Daniel because of this, praised Daniel's God for delivering him. You know, when we come to the three brothers, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, you know, they refused to bow down to a statue of the king and were thrown in the furnace. And when people looked into the furnace, there was a fourth person in there, Hi, Jesus. Good to see you. You know, they were shown grace because they stood on the truth of the word and the truth of who they saw God as being. You know, David was a scrawny kid that his family just dismissed him to the side. He's out tending sheep. But God's grace and strength allowed him to conquer Goliath. And this was a moment for many people to hold on to and to recognize that God was active and showing grace and doing miracles if we would but believe. We hear of the woman at the well, stuck in sin, yet Jesus sat and ministered to her. So countercultural that a man would approach a woman, let alone a woman in sin, and he showed her grace rather than condemnation. I believe that this was her standing stone, her time in her life where things changed direction because of Jesus' grace. You know, even Paul, as he travelled down the Damascus Road, Jesus met him where he was. And rather than destroy Paul for killing his people, Jesus extended grace. And because of Paul, we have the majority of the New Testament. We hear all of these stories of Jesus working and people's lives being changed because of Paul. You know, and then one of, the letters he, uh, one of the letters that Peter writes, in 1 Peter 2, it talks about the stone that was rejected has become the cornerstone. You know, Jesus is our standing stone church. He has been since the beginning of time and will be forevermore. This is an amazing truth and something that we can stand on. Jesus endured humiliation for us and he understands our pain. He understands what it's like to be tempted and he is our standing and living stone. What do you see when you look at Jesus? When I look at him, I see grace. I see forgiveness. I see a second chance. That's an amazing thing, church. You know, I could go on and on and on about the times that we can read in the Bible of God's grace coming and intervening in situations. But I wanted to share those snippets and emphasize this as I know how hard things can get. Life is rarely easy, and Jesus even says that things will be hard for us at times. But that doesn't mean that things won't be fulfilling. See, often when we are caught in the midst of a storm, We forget our identity, forget whose we are, and we lose track of the bigger picture. And here's an example of this from the disciples. So it'll be on the screen, um, but it's Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41, if you want to look it up or write it down. So that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Do you still have no faith? That would have stung the disciples. You know, they'd been there, they'd been around with him, ministering to people, seeing what Jesus has done. But there was something inside that they weren't fixed on a firm foundation. And it's a valid question then, and it's an even more valid question today. You see, church, we have experienced God and the Holy Spirit and understand the price that Jesus paid for us. We've seen him move mountains and provide in ways we wouldn't have thought possible in our lives and in the lives of people around us. In this instance, you know, the disciples lost their heads. When the storm hits... They went into fight or flight mode. They distance themselves. And, and, you know, we can start to do that in times when things go wrong. We freak out. We go to the standard defensive mechanisms of a human being. And so we step off our foundation and we lose sight of our identity. You know, God can use each and every one of us when we let his gift of new life, of grace, of salvation, of a second chance become our identity see the thing is that human weakness provides the ideal opportunity for a display of divine power we've just got to let it you know church he died for us and rose again to ensure death couldn't hold us back and he set a comforter to us and gave us power through the holy spirit you know today is pentecost sunday and without god extending that holy spirit And the ability to be able to interact with his spirit and have those spiritual gifts. You know, that's a great sign of grace that he's given us that and entrusted us to carry his Holy Spirit into the world. You know, where it was naturally impossible for us to be one with God because of our sin. Jesus makes it possible for us to be in a relationship with God. You know, it doesn't matter who we are or what we do or do not have. Jesus often uses people who might be on the fringe, who people look down on, who don't have power or position or fame or money or anything like that. They're often the people that God calls and that Jesus will reach out to. Now, The truth of this is regardless of who we are or how we see things or how we see ourselves, God is bigger and his grace is sufficient and stronger than anything else. You know, his death and his grace makes life possible for us. So what are we going to do with that knowledge, church? Are we going to stick to the status quo and what the world suggests is the best way to handle the situation? Or are we going to stand as children of God, as rebels of grace, on a solid foundation with a clear picture of our identity in him? I know which one I choose. You know, when things get tough... Pushing through and sticking to our calling and serving Him with all we are and all we have is really hard. Sometimes maybe impossible. But you know, as I've said a few times, the thing is, His grace is sufficient. When we are weak, He is strong. You know, the thing is, impossible in my eyes, well, that's where God starts to do His best. When it's impossible for us, It's only God that can do it. Where we see a wall, God brings a wrecking ball. Our job is to just keep moving forward. We don't need anybody singing the song. (laughs) In the movie Rocky Balboa, the lead character says the following, It's not about how hard you can hit, but how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. And that's the same with life. And our relationship. Things hit us, but what are we to do? And for a boxer, it's a firm foundation and having that training and that experience that you can withstand that. And so, as Christians, we need to have that solid foundation and stand on His grace and stand on His truth and stand on faith in what He has done in order for us to endure that. We are to put on the full armor of God, Scripture says you know, the, the armor of God, there is no protection for the back because God doesn't want you to turn around and run away. God wants you to stand firm, looking forward and moving forward. There's no protection for the back. And the, the army, the way the Roman army was so successful at that time was they were in rows of eight. And the way the shield and the spear was designed was to protect the person next to them. They wouldn't turn around. They would protect their mate by stabbing across that way with the spear. And so as a whole team, they were protecting one another. And so God wants us together as a community to stand with one another and to protect one another. And sharing our experiences of what God's done in our lives inspires, every, inspires each other. And that's something that we can stand on, church. So we need to be in the habit of sharing these things. We're to keep moving forward. You know, and I'll let you in on a on a secret. Well, it's kind of not really a secret, but it's a truth we often forget. You know, miracles follow a child of God in motion. Because it doesn't matter if the situation is hard or it seems impossible, if we're moving forward through that, miracles will follow. You know, so back to our main story. You know. When they were standing in the middle of the Jordan River, they could have doubted or have even been fearful. You know, there are these water walls high up and they could have fallen at any time. But forwards they went. And they remembered that moment. The story would be passed on through the generations. Kids would ask about it and they would be awed by what God had done and what he could do. You know, sharing our stories will inspire others and they give root to a firm foundation for the kids in this church and in our families hearing these things allows them to go god is awesome and that's what we want our kids to say right we want them to have that foundation so we need to share with them what god does you know do you look back in awe and gratitude for what god has done for you do you remember those things so one for me this weekend has been the men's retreat. I got there Friday night and uh, I, I may have had two and a half, maybe three hours sleep. Uh, it, it's, it's a common experience from a few of the guys. I think you're in a room with... Uh, there were seven other guys in the room that I was in, all in bunk beds. And I'm pretty sure that there were at least five of them or six of them snoring in harmony with one another, which, which made things a little interesting. And it was... It was a blessing but also a curse because the the cabin that I was in had a bathroom connected to it but uh, it had a sensor light and once the, the light went on, it was on for the next 30 to 40 minutes and I just happened to be in the bunk that when the door was opened, the lights just flooding onto my face and there were guys up and down all night and so this was happening at a regular occurrence and so, yeah, I didn't get much sleep and so... Yesterday, M will attest to it. I'm not a morning person at the best of times, and when I haven't had much sleep, I'm even less of a morning person. So yesterday was was a little bit hard uh, at times, but we just got to push through. You know, I I, I made a point of telling myself, and M kept reminding me, you know, that you've been so excited about this and what God's going to do for this. You've been praying into a men's retreat for years, so go. You need to enjoy it. And so I stood on that yesterday and the worship experience that we had last night is is going to be a standing stone of faith for me. It was one of the most incredible things. Like I love our worship here. I I love it every Sunday. We're incredibly blessed with the worship team that we have. But there is nothing like 80 guys standing as one, singing their lungs out for Jesus and just being so in love with Jesus while they're singing there's nothing in my eyes that that beats that seeing guys just standing there going Jesus I love you come and do something and so for me that's going to be something that I hold on to because of just how it was and so there's another king uh, another story in the Old Testament I promise, there's not too many more stories. I just like some of these stories. Uh, so, in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 to 21, Manuel, you don't need to put that up. I'm not going to read it, but it says we read about the calling of the prophet Elisha. You know, Elijah needed someone to help him, as God had said to him, but to also take over from him at the right time. And so, Elisha asks if he can say goodbye to his parents, and Elijah questions if he's done the right thing. However, Elisha, who was a farmer, he killed his oxen burnt his equipment, cooked the meat, and distributed it amongst his town. You know, Elisha sacrificed his security and comfort in order to step into his destiny. And he would have heard who God was and what God had been doing. And he stood on that and goes, okay, if God's calling me, I'm going to move forward. I want to step out into that identity that he has for us. You know, we've got that grace. Are we going to stand on that and step out of comfort? Into our identity with it. You know, some of the stories that he might have heard were Noah and his ark, Moses and the Israelites at the Red Sea, of the Ten Commandments and how that happened. He recognized the opportunity before him, and rather than be fearful, he was in motion. He stood on what he knew of God. Why are we so quick sometimes to forget about God's grace and all that He's done for us? You know, Hebrews 11.1 states that faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. You know, Steve McPherson is constantly reminding me of that and reminding us of that. That faith is confidence and assurance of things that we may not see. You know, we may be praying for something to come to pass. And Rod, we are continually praying for you to be healed. And I'm believing that we are going to see that. But, you know, faith is confidence in things that we do not see and assurance of these things. And so we need to stand in that faith. We need to have faith in Jesus and what he did. Faith in his grace and that it is all sufficient in every storm, in every tribulation, in every single moment of life. The verse that isn't talked about as much is verse 2. And it says, this is what the ancients... Were commended for. So those in the Old Testament had been praying for a coming Messiah, but they hadn't seen him, but they stood in faith with confidence of what was going to come. You know, they hadn't seen him and they had that, and they had hope in God's grace and what life would lead to. So why do we then struggle? We've seen what he's done, we've got. We've got this book that talks about who Jesus is and the things that he has done. We've got our own stories in our lives when Jesus has interacted with us, where God has come through, where the Holy Spirit has spoken something incredible to us. You know, church, we've had the privilege to know Jesus. Let's live like him as rebels of grace, as people who don't confine ourselves to the human way of living. Let's outwork grace and the Holy Spirit wherever we go. You know, faith is a muscle and we will have to to train it and, and stretch it. And trials allow for that stretching to happen. You know, but we need to respond, which is a considered action, not react, which is impulsive. And so we need to respond in a healthy way. But we also need to exercise it by believing for the, for the miraculous and what he can do and by being fervent in prayer and standing on his word you know I want to tell you a quick little story a, a, a personal one of mine I'm going to get a little bit real now um, but I want to share this because this is one of my really strong standing stones and has been through my entire life so you guys are probably all familiar with the Black Saturday bushfires in 2009. So that happened and the, the, the Monday to Thursday after that weekend, I was going away for a union ministry planning retreat. Um, I didn't know at the time, but one of my really good mates, he lost his family home and most of his family in the Black Saturday bushfires and, and I didn't know at the time and so I've gone away for four days with no phone reception or anything like that and I come back on the Thursday to a fairly long and an emotional and desperate Facebook message from him and then found out that he'd committed suicide and so for me that was that was really intense because I blame myself for not being available and not being there for him to talk to and I didn't really have a chance to process any of that because uni was back in a couple of weeks and I was preparing for that, I was preparing for for stuff at work, I was preparing for uni ministry stuff and so I just just tried to compartmentalise. Anyway, a couple of weeks into term at uni, uh, in response to the Black Saturday bushfires, our uni ministry put on a night of where is God in suffering with a focus on Black Saturday bushfires. Um, I was a mess that night. I, I just couldn't understand God's character and his grace working in a situation like that and how that could all happen. And I had a, a complete nutter meltdown. I hadn't, I'd been a Christian maybe 11 months at this point and so was still finding my faith. I think that night I, I went home and was just chatting to a few people and they realised that something was wrong most of them, their response was, oh, just pray, it'll, it'll get better. But my best mate, who we've been best men at each other's wedding, he came up, he, he drove 40 minutes to my house, got there a bit after midnight, sat with me until 7am the next morning, just talking. And I would have been on the edge of the ledge like this with God, about ready to step off and go, God, I've got no interest. But he pulled me back and he showed me how God's grace can work in all of these situations that doesn't matter how bad things are his grace moves and his grace works and that night will forever be a standing stone for me for remembering his grace you know we need to develop our faith into a place of confidence that no matter what is going on God is bigger God is greater God is stronger and God is sovereign amen And I want to give everybody a chance to do that. Sonia, could you come up for keys, please? So I want you guys to, you know, I asked you to do it a bit earlier, but I want you to take a minute or so to think back through what God has done for you. And if you've got a pen and paper or you've got your phone, I want you to write it down. And I want you to do that because I want you to actually take an action of, this is where God has worked in my life. This is where he's done something miraculous. This is where he's shown his grace. And when you've done that or if you're still thinking, if you're bold enough, I want you to share that with someone sitting next to you or someone around you. You know, when we share these things, they inspire others. They inspire faith. They inspire standing on the foundation of Jesus. And we want to do that. So I'm going to leave it open for a couple of minutes for you to, to, to write it down and to share it. But just before you do that, I want to read you the third verse of the song, 10,000 Reasons. Last night when we were singing it at, at the men's retreat, I felt that this was relevant. I felt God say, I want you to share this tomorrow. You know, regardless of what's going on, let's sing his praise. And the verse says, And on that day when my strength is failing, the end draws near and my time has come. Still my soul will sing your praise unending 10,000 years and then forever more. So I want you to take a couple of minutes to, if you're bold enough to share with the person next to you or somebody around you in case the person next to you might already know the story. I want you to share And inspire faith, inspire being a rebel of grace into those around you. I know that there's still some stories being shared but we're nearly we're nearly done and we can continue sharing uh, after that but in hearing somebody else share do you feel inspired do you feel encouraged by that because that's what I hope that people are feeling you know and I, I want us to be a church who doesn't forget the things that God does for us the big or the small I want us to have a bold faith to have a confident and assured faith of what God is going to do, to believe that his grace is sufficient in every way, whether we understand it now in this life or have to wait until the next life to understand. But mostly let's be a church who recognize and understand the price that Jesus paid on the cross for us, dying as a sacrifice and substitute because God loves us so much and that Jesus' death allows us to gain Access to the Father and to eternity. And then he rose again, defeating death, meaning we are free from condemnation, free from shame, from unworthiness, free from being confined to a spiritual prison cell, free from separation of the Father. Church, we are free. We are free. We are free to be rebels of grace to a fallen and broken world. Amen. You know, let's pray. Father God, we, we are just completely and utterly in awe of you. We thank you for what you have done in and through our lives, what you are continuing to do and what you will do as we go away from here, Lord God. We thank you that you are the firm and strong foundation on which we can set our feet. We thank you for the standing stones that you have given us in our lives. And we thank you for your grace. We thank you that you showered it over us and we can take that out into the world and extend your grace to other people. Now, while all eyes are closed and heads are bowed, if, if you haven't experienced this grace, or this love of, of God and who Jesus is that we've been talking about, if you haven't experienced that, but you want to say, hey, I want that grace, I want that chance to have my life turned around. Then would you be brave enough to to raise your hand? As a sign of just saying, Jesus, I want that grace. Alternatively, if you're in a situation that is pulling you down, whether it's a physical thing, an emotional thing, something at work, a spiritual attack, whatever it is. If you're in a situation where it feels just hard and the foundation doesn't feel solid and you're, you're trying to stay on course, but you're struggling. If you're in that situation, would you raise your hand? Because I want people to, to gather around you as a family and as a community and pray with you and stand with you in grace and on that foundation so you can have a look if somebody's got their hand up please get around them lay hands on them and pray for them this is an opportunity where we can inspire and encourage our brothers and sisters Jesus, we, we thank you that faith is the confidence, what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. You know, we, we pray with our sisters here this morning, Lord God, that that you would just move something, yes. that you would make their foundation strong yes. in you, that faith would rise, that grace would overflow, Lord God, yes. for everyone here who might be in that situation, whether they put their hand up or not, We pray that faith would rise and grace would stir and flow, Lord God. We thank you for your strength. And we thank you that your grace is sufficient. That if all we had was your grace, it'd be enough. And we thank you for that, Lord God.